Blog Talk Radio. A Target 32 investigation takes a closer look at the state child protection system one year after we first raised serious questions about an agency that saw a dramatic rise in the numbers of children it removed from home. We had to go to court just to air our initial reports after an attempt by the state to stop us from showing you what's going on. John Bolt joins us with his latest investigation. We are being swamped again with complaints, very similar to what happened last year. But we can give you an in-depth look at one case that exemplifies the things we are hearing in hundreds of complaints. Allegations of quick-trigger child removal with no proof of parental wrongdoing and then retaliation against those who fight back. You are looking at something hundreds of Kentuckians experience every year, but few others ever see. It's videotapes of a confidential hearing to remove children from the custody of their parents. While it may take weeks, months, or years to take someone's freedom away in a circuit court, it takes 17 minutes to take three of Vanessa Shank's children away in a family courtroom. This hearing consists of a judge, a state-appointed attorney to represent the children, a cabinet for health and family services attorney, and to his left, the only witness he will call, state social worker Carlanda Fields, who testifies Shanks gets no child support from an absent father who is thousands of dollars behind, and this is why she says Shanks' children have been taken away. The children are in our custody because of two substantiated reports of neglect. Not seeing them. I didn't see them for 11 months, and it was it's devastating. It's like the hardest thing on earth you can go through. It's like someone close to you just died. So when she fought back, appealing the ruling, she says they took her other three children away and then briefly removed 14 children from her extended family. The first thing that came to us and said was, well, you started an appeal. Nothing else. And welcome in tonight, ladies and gentlemen of America. Tonight is a night of exposing corruption. What is the corruption? What you've heard in the previous clips is the corruption of Child Protective Services, known as CPS. Tonight we will uncover the corruption, the blatant disregard for law, the placement of our children in harm's way, the Division and dividing up of families without any thought at all. Tonight, AJC Radio takes a visit and a journey as we roll back the, the mantle, if you will, of corruption with CPS, known as Child Protective Services. Folks, hang on in there. We're coming right back. CPS and the corruption that affects a nation. Hang on to your seat, folks. AJC Radio takes off right now. And welcome in tonight. My name is Lamont Banks, along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, and the entire AJC radio team. And as I said uh, a few moments ago, tonight we take a very uncomfortable trip, Lisa and Cliff, in the world of our children being at risk. And the, the irony of this and the horror, if you will, of this is that the infraction comes from an entity that is supposed to be protecting our children. Lisa, your thoughts on that? 
Well, I think they I think there's some things that need to be changed with that system. I think they I think they are out there to do a good thing, but I think they go too far. I think the purpose for them being there was great, but it just goes too far at times. And Cliff, your thoughts on that as we continue to see an unraveling of a system uh, in in our country right now, and again with the most precious precious excuse me value of our country, and that is our children. Yeah, I mean, listening to that clip with with the uh, lady getting her kids taken away, and to have one witness that says, "Well, there the the father isn't providing child support, so go arrest the father. Why are you taking the children away from their mother? That makes absolutely." No sense whatsoever. You take the kids away because their father isn't doing his part. That that that's just that is punishment by the court on children that should not be. Well, you're going to learn tonight, ladies and gentlemen of America. Uh, we got four special guests joining us tonight: Mimi Lyons, an advocate uh, against chi- uh, child protective services; Ronnie Davis, uh, he's a humdinger. I'll tell you, folks, if you haven't heard about Ronnie Davis, you'll hear from him tonight. Uh, as he will chime in and is an advocate truly for injustice, uh, fighting injustice, rather, in this country. Uh, Clay Holt will also be joining us. Uh, she has experienced some, some horrible things in regards to CPS. Uh, and, and Lisa, these are uh, uh, folks and, and mothers and fathers uh, outside of, I believe, Ronnie. Uh, but Mimi, Clay, and Russell have suffered some huge injustices uh, as, at the hands of the Child Protective Services. You're going to hear their stories tonight as we get ready to pull the cover back on a system uh, that has failed and continues to fail. And Lisa, uh, you know, uh, doing the research on this, we, have, we are learning and have learned, uh, and Cliff, uh, that uh, uh, Child Protective Services uh, is part of the corruption, but it's about big business. It's about money. It's about who can get you know, how many children and how can we remove them or not remove them from people from the home because we get grant money from the federal or state government level. Uh, that's her, that is absolutely horrific. Uh, and we're going to touch in on all of those things tonight, folks. And if you feel free, if you'd like to call in and chime in on the program tonight, feel free to call 347-838-8976. That's 347-838-8976. And Lisa, our disclaimer for the people. Yes, we just want to remind everyone that we are not attorneys and that a just cause does not provide legal advice. Please contact your personal legal advisor for all of your legal needs. Also, the opinions expressed by callers and guests do not necessarily reflect that of a just cause or AJC Radio. And as always, we want to thank you for tuning in and choosing to spend a little time with us this evening. And thank you for that, Lisa. And uh, folks, before we get started in the program, we're going to ask you to go out to change.org, search IRP6, as uh, we seek justice and clemency for these innocent patriots of America. Folks listening out there tonight, if you're on Facebook, if you're on Twitter, any social media, please pass the word to change.org. Search, uh, in the search bar, just type in IRP6, uh, where we seek to bring justice uh, to these six men. Patriots of America, wrongfully convicted, Lisa, sitting now going on four years yes. in federal prison for a crime they did not commit. And as we sit on the... Uh, horizon, if you will, of terror facing America with ISIS and Taliban and every other terrorist network as they approach the homeland. The answer to ISIS sits in a prison cell tonight. Six of them. Who are they? They are David Banks, Dave Zappolo, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, Clinton Stewart, and Gary Walker. These men had a vision. They created software that could keep the homeland safe. 
And as a result of, we talked about last week, Lisa, the intimidation of the federal government, the intimidation and acts of, of crooked prosecutors, crooked judges, namely uh, Judge Christine Arguello, federal judge uh, here in Colorado, and Matthew Kirsch, John Walsh. Sunita Hazra. I mean, we'll get to the list, but I mean, it makes you want to run the list now. But uh, these are what we call perpetrators of justice uh, that do not seek to do the right thing. We're going to ask you again, go to change.org. Search IRP6, sign our petition. There's a video out there as well that you can see that talks a little bit about the confusion and, and, and blatant disregard for law that happened in this case. It'll keep you, it'll ha- I tell you what, it'll have you scratching your head because no crime occurred in this case, and uh, we're seeking that justice take place there. Uh, the Honorable uh, f- Retired Federal Judge H. Lee Sarakin uh, also has chimed in and been a, a, a strong advocate, Lisa, for the IRP6. Uh, and we, he continues uh, to seek justice for yes, these men. He's a great supporter. He's a great supporter of this cause. And it's, just, it's wonderful to see that he's gone be out of his way. He's gone over and beyond to, to do what he can to try to help the guys. And, folks, you know, we see a lot of, I see a lot of petitions at Change.org, uh, and all of them have their purpose and their place. Folks, this is one that really matters. Not that the other ones don't. They all matter. But we're asking all of us collectively, go to Change.org, read those petitions. There are huge injustices happening in america every single day and we're asking you to go to change.org again put in, uh, go to the search bar put in irp6 sign that petition leave a comment if you'd like pass it on to your friends and family on facebook and twitter uh, that justice may be, uh, prevail in this case also the case regarding renee lima marin a gentleman that was sent back to prison for 90 years after doing 15 years being paroled uh, actually completed parole was off of parole period found his, his, his uh, high school sweetheart, uh, Lisa, married her, uh, had two children, bought yeah. a house, uh, a model citizen of what it means to make a mistake maybe at 18, 19. Right, but did a lot of people do. A lot of people do. Did something with his life and has proceeded forward uh, to make some huge changes. And a judge motivated by hate and revenge, who was the prosecutor on the case at the time before he went to prison, uh, decided to do a checkup of where he was found out that he was out and sought out to put an order to have him return to prison uh, under what they call a clerical error, and that is unacceptable. Go out to her website, to her uh, uh, change.org, just type in Renee Lima Marin, uh, as we fight for justice, not only for the RP6, uh, but for all folks that have been done wrong in this system. We appreciate that. Again, if you want to get in on the conversation tonight, uh, the number to call in for this program is 347-838-8976. That's 347-838-8976. And, Lisa, the next thing I'd like to explain to the folks, uh, we know ISIS is an intimate threat to the safety and security of the United States. Absolutely. Uh, We have, again, we had a scare yesterday. It wasn't a terrorist scare, but in our nation's capital, a gentleman goes into the Capitol building with a gun, a little unstable mentally from what they have found. Uh, But you know what? Here, who knows when, uh, with the cells that reside here in this country, when they will get up one morning and say, you know what? Let's go by the Capitol or by the Rayburn building or by the the House and the Senate buildings, and let's just, uh, you know what, make a statement. This is a real threat. Uh, to the national security of the United States. ISIS has proven to be a very real threat. Uh, We're going to ask you to go to AJCRadio.com. There's a video posted there uh, with an American flag that says the answer to ISIS, and it talks about the IRP-6. Who are they again? David Banks, Dave Zerpolo, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, Clinton Stewart, and Gary Walker as we continue to seek justice 
uh, for these men. And hopefully, uh, we believe to get these men released out of prison uh, for the nat for basically at least a matter of national security yes. and protecting the homeland. When software sits idle, uh, that can be used, and that that uh, that software is available right now in hand. So we will continue to uh, inform you of that, folks. And uh, Again, join us in this fight for justice as we seek for the release of these six men. And uh, we're going to go to some current news uh, right now, uh, a situation where um, this is unbelievable here. Uh, we were talking, talking about it prior to coming on the air. A uh, Texas man fatally shot by Mesa officer uh, information proving that he begged for his life. Cliff, did you want to chime in on this story? This, this, is, this is unbelievable. This is one of the sickest ones yet as far as, uh, you know, wrongful killing of uh, of just a normal everyday citizen by the, the, uh, by the police. I mean, this man, he's in his hotel room. He is a, uh, he's a Walmart employee. He is the guy who, you know, he's tasked with, you know, sometimes little, little birds get inside Walmart. And uh, they try to get them out. Sometimes they can't. They're, you know, they're, right. messing, they're messing up food items, so they have to, you know, go a little drastic. So he's the guy who's tasked with a pellet gun to go in the store and get rid of the birds. So he's in his hotel room. Uh, you know, he's, he's out in Arizona during, uh, you know, doing his work. He's at a hotel room. He's in there with some, some uh, people that he met. They had a few drinks and you know they they pointed he he pointed the pellet gun outside the window. Somebody at the pool calls 911, says oh, there's a man upstairs with a with a rifle pointed out out the window of the hotel room. So the police get there and they uh you know they tell him come out the room. He's had several drinks. I mean he's in his hotel room, so he's uh he, he he's not really violating anything. No public intoxication. The police start giving him orders that witnesses said that you know he was he was pretty intoxicated so he may not have been able to understand exactly what they were telling him and the report says that the officer uh the officer that ended up shooting and killing him his name is Brailsford they said officer Brailsford and other officers said that Shaver had been warned that was the individual who they shot and killed Shaver had been warned that he would be shot if he moved his hands behind him now you don't tell an intoxicated person you don't give them those type of instructions don't put your hands behind you because you know in a in in a, that state of mind he could take that okay put my hands behind me is that what you want me to do so they get they have him crawling out on his hands and knees uh backwards he has on shorts he's intoxicated the witnesses said his that you know when you have on his shorts were sagging they started to come down he reaches to pull his shorts up and this officer shoots him uh and so they said you know they did the internal investigation the officer's body camera footage uh, was used to review the case, and they said in the investigation that this fatal shooting was the result of unjustified deadly force by the officer, and gratefully he has been charged with second-degree murder, which he should. I mean, the the county attorney's complaint stated that Officer uh, Brailsford was manifesting an extreme indifference to human life recklessly causing the death of another so i mean wow. rightfully so they brought him they brought him up on murder and uh hopefully the charges uh will stick i mean this is this is tragic you have a man that every the, all the witnesses are saying yeah he was intoxicated the police officers are bringing him out of his out of his hotel room 
He's crawling on the ground, pants coming down. He doesn't want to be humiliated any more than he is. And at the same time, he's begging them, please do not shoot me. Begging for his life, please don't shoot me. Please do not shoot me. Well, the statement, please do not shoot me, he's unarmed in beach shorts. Can you explain to me, a man that is trying to kill you or is perceived to be a threat towards you is not begging you not to shoot him. Exactly. He's not begging you. He's saying, look, I have nothing. I'm not a threat. No weapon. Why do you shoot this man dead? Yeah, it, it makes no sense. And then for them to say, okay, well, I shot him because he put his hand behind his back. That you is told not, him to. But, and that is not a reason that – that is not a lawful reason for you to shoot somebody He's because, they put they, because they put but, their arm behind their back. But if you, you say you, you thought he was reaching for a handgun, did you see a handgun? Exactly my point. You didn't see a – You didn't you, see it. You, well, you thought – now, what you, what you were told is that he had a rifle shooting out the window. Right. That's not stuck in, the, in, his, in his pants. In his pants. You don't have a rifle stuck in his pants. Well, in your shorts. So you think he has a handgun because his hand went toward his waist. Well, listen, we have said a thousand times on this program before, there's a reason that police officers are giving tasers, that they are giving pepper spray. If you thought something was happening, you have an option. Take that off the table. You have a gun that you can shoot this gentleman. I can see it if he comes down running down the steps. He has a gun. He's running towards you. You have to shoot him. It's you or him. None of this occurred. The man is on the ground, on his hands and knees, begging you not to shoot him. And you shoot him and kill him anyway. Can anybody in America or in this studio please explain to me when is enough enough? When is it enough? You are, you are wearing Cliff, as you stated. He's wearing a body camera. Is that correct? Yes, and that, that is how they got this officer, that on his body camera, that is why the, uh, the county uh, attorney said that he was manifesting an extreme indifference to life, recklessly causing the death of another. So this saying, hey, you committed murder in what, in what they've seen. So they have charges. But uh, to Lisa's point, Somebody can be reaching. You could be doing backflips, saying I have a gun. That is not justifiable force for the police to shoot you. That's right. They didn't see any firearm, and even if they had seen it, you still don't shoot an armed person unless they are pointing that firearm towards you and you and your life is in imminent danger. I mean, that's why they all say, well, I felt my life was in danger and the lives of, of my fellow officers. Well, somebody had to have a gun and then be pointing it at you for you to feel that way. And my question is this, or statement, whatever you want to call it. How do you see a human being begging for his life, and you are the peace officer, and you shoot him without any feeling, without any remorse, without any value on human life? He's begging you for his life, and you shoot him dead anyway? That is uncomprehendable to me, and this is the problem with this nation right now. We make every time, and this is, I'm going to be just blunt with you, every time we hear of a police officer shooting, the first instinct by their superiors is to defend, to make excuse, and to to basically run the victim, and this man was a victim. Through the mud, they, well, he did smoke weed. Well, he had a prior criminal history. That, that doesn't warrant the death penalty. 
And what you've done is exercise the death penalty on a person because they had a prior criminal history. Does that give you the right to take his life? Absolutely not. This is unacceptable in this country, folks. I'll tell you right now, America needs to wake up as, again, we can't protect our own citizens. How in the world are we going to protect? We can't protect our own citizens from the people who are set in position to protect us. How in the world will we protect our citizens from ISIS or any terrorist threat that approaches the homeland of the United States? Something to think about. Ladies and gentlemen, we're coming right back tonight. AJC Radio takes an uncomfortable ride and journey to the corruption of CPS Child Protective Services. Tonight, our special guests will be Mimi Lyons, Ronnie Davis, Clay Holt, and Russell Frisk. I'll tell you right now, folks, this is a program you do not want to miss. We say all the time, who are the future? Who is the future of America? They are our children. And Child Protective Services has left and laid down the oath that is taken to protect and keep our children out of harm's way. Tonight we take a visit to the most horrific actions and things that CPS is doing to, to completely destroy the American family. Tonight we're going to visit that corruption. You don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is AJC Radio, corruption and exposing that corruption of child protective services. We'll be right back. police officer who shot and killed a man. When I first saw the Oscar Grant footage, like a lot of people here in Oakland, I was outraged. As soon as I heard about it and I went online and I seen what had happened, tears came down my eyes. It was something that was very alarming as a police officer and as a citizen of Oakland. It was like such a blatant murder. You have a city in trauma. Anyone that's seen that and looks at it is in trauma. My hope is that people will express their concern with police brutality, but they will do so in constructive ways that don't include violence. We cannot perpetrate this cycle of harm and violence in this community. Because we do have to live here and they terrorize the city and it's only going to make it worse for us. They killed our young can protest, you can try to make a change, but there is a positive way you can do it. And make sure we let the police know and that we're aware that stuff ain't right out here. We're trying to fix it. In a way that is about using your voice for justice and making Oakland a safer place for everyone to live and get along as one. Violence is not just Violence is not justice. Violence is not justice. Violence is not justice. Do you have a big brother? Well, I have a big brother, and I'm pretty sure that you and I experienced some of the same things with a big brother. Big brothers will always be big brothers, right? I'm sure you'll agree. Well, my brother gets up in the morning. He takes a shower, heads to work, and at some point during the day, he's going to exercise and get that workout, as we all do. And, of course, depending on what's going on, he's going to sit down for two or three meals during the course of his day. And also, depending on what else is going on, he'll probably get caught up on current events and maybe take a few moments to turn a page in a book. How about your big brother? Some of the same stuff, right? Oh, did I mention that my big brother does all of that stuff, but he actually has to have permission a lot of times before he can do it. You see, my big brother was wrongfully convicted of a crime that he did not commit. 
That's right. That may sound shocking, huh? He's in prison. Wrongful convictions impacts families in ways you cannot begin to imagine. But I've decided that I'm going to do something about it. And I extend an invitation to you to come on board and join me in this fight. You see, I'm helping to be a voice for my big brother and others who have been wrongfully convicted. We'd like you to take a few moments today and call a just cause where we fight for justice. You can call us toll free at 1-855-529-4252. That's 1-855-529-4252. Join with us as we fight for justice and for all big brothers across the land. The United States of America incarcerates more people than any other country in the world. In fact, the U.S. hosts more prison inmates than all other developed nations combined. As of 2010, the world population was over 6.8 billion people, with an estimated 9.8 million in jail. This figure, compiled by the International Center for Prison Studies, refers both to individuals held in jail awaiting trial and inmates serving time after sentencing. So there are 9.8 million human beings on planet Earth living inside of cages that we know of. In 2010, the U.S. was home to about 309 million people, 4.5% of the world's total population, but housed 23% of the world's prisoners. So take a moment to think about what this means. It means we imprison more people than enormous autocratic countries like China. We imprison more people than Russia. Compared to the size of our population, our rate of imprisonment dwarfs our closest allies, like the United Kingdom, France, and Canada. As of 2010, there were over 1.6 million post-trial inmates serving sentences in America's state and federal facilities. This number does not include those being detained pre-trial or those on probation. The most unique feature of incarceration in America is the large and active role of our federal government. In most countries, crime is reacted to at the local or regional level, whereas the American government finances and legislates a significant portion of law enforcement at the national level. State governments still do their fair share of incarceration, though. California and Texas incarcerate more than other states with over 171,000 inmates each. Florida is a close third with over 103,000 prisoners. But no single state locks up more people than the federal government with over 208,000 inmates. Perhaps the nickname Land of the Free, Home of the Brave, should be updated. Though I suppose you need to be brave. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. I'm Lamont Banks, along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart. And tonight we touch in on a subject uh, that is of huge importance. And if you got little Johnny, little Susie, you know, maybe running outside right now because daylight saving time has kicked in and spring has started here in America, uh, it involves them. And as you put your children to bed tonight, we tend to think and believe that our entities of government are doing the right thing by them. But we have learned tonight, as this program gets underway, 
that Child Protective Services, known as CPS, is one of the most corrupt, unjust, and harmful organizations on the planet. The danger of this and the horror of this, they are in place to protect our children, America's future. And tonight we expose that corruption. And uh, we're going to get ready to dig into that uh, as we get ready to talk about this. And Lisa, uh, you're a mother and, and, you know, we would like to believe that America, which we're starting to run into a lot of issues that America has to confront. Uh, And that has to do uh, with... You know, this particular subject tonight with CPS, Child Protective Services, children being it's, – it feels to me, as my research has gone into it, that children now have become cattle. Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. it's about – as a mother, how does – when you hear about these types of corruptions going on in CPS and other entities of government tonight, namely Child Protective Services, that's supposed to be mean the protection of children. Yes. When you hear that and you hear what we even heard on the top of the show and and the different things and the corruption within the system, breaking up homes, taking children from their mothers, putting them in abusive situations. Our guests tonight are going to touch in on that, Lisa. As a mother, what are your thoughts when you hear of this type of corruption? Well, I think people need to make they need to be really clear about what they're doing. Yes, we want kids to be safe. We want kids to be taken care of. But when you step outside of the boundary of what your job entails, I mean, when you start looking at situations and reading into them things that are not there, you're going to start crossing some lines and doing some things that shouldn't be done. I know I had a woman at one point tell me that she felt like I wasn't feeding my son. She was going to have to report that on me because he said he didn't have dinner that night. And she said, "Uh, if he doesn't have dinner, I'll have to report that. And I'm thinking, okay, my son. Wait a minute. Mm -hmm. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, this is someone working in your home. Working in my home, tutoring my son. And that night, it may have been pizza night later well, on. Well, and because he ate before before uh, 5 o'clock, it wasn't dinner. Well, in his th- mind, it wasn't dinner. He could dinner at 5, so he ate at 4 o'clock. That wasn't dinner. He didn't have dinner. Okay. He ate again at 7, but he didn't eat at 5, so he didn't have dinner. And I presume he's no longer employed by you. No, she's not. She's not. Excuse me. That was uh, when I when I heard that that was her last day. How do you how do you how do you tell me what dinner time is for my son? Yeah. Or my daughter. You know what? I may have a bowl of cereal at eight o'clock. <laughs> That's dinner for me. How do you do that? But people, I mean, they go out, they go look at these crazy look at the situation, and they turn it into something crazy when it's not. They make something out of nothing. Granted, there are situations where kids are in danger, where the, something needs to be done to protect the children. There are also instances where a parent is doing their job and something is misconstrued and then it gets taken totally out of context, it gets totally twisted up, and they end up losing their kids for no good reason. And I think that's the kind of thing that we have to focus on. And that's what we have to make sure comes to, a, comes to a stop. No, absolutely, Lisa. That, that simply does not make a, a, a bunch of sense. But I think, you know, in any system or organization that we deal with, you can do an overkill with things. And I understand you have to protect children, but now you start becoming a sword in the home. Yes. You start dividing uh, folks in the home. And, and I mean, how many parents does it take to cry out to say, look, Child Protective Services have taken my children without cause? Uh, just, just like uh, earlier, the story that we heard earlier, that the judge has one witness who is a Child Protective Service agent 
who has a, a, at best a misconstrued understanding of the situation as it is going on. You don't take a child because of uh, the father who's not even in the home. He's not paying child support. How does that make the mother an unfit parent and say that you need to take her children? That to me makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. But when there's an outcry from parents saying, look, uh, protective services, they're just taking my kids for nothing. The kids were fed. They were clean. They were clothed. They're in school. The The children have no complaints. But yet you have a child protective services agent that's coming in and saying, the, and and convincing a judge, oh, you need to take these kids because, you know, maybe they didn't have on a brand new pair of shoes for the first day of school. Those are things that make absolutely no sense to me. And uh, and and it, it's ludicrous. It should not be done. No, I agree with you, Cliff, on that. I mean, these are things that have to be dealt with. Uh, they have to be uh, addressed. We're going to address those issues tonight. And I'll tell you what, uh, we're going to get ready to bring uh, three of our guests, of our four guests on tonight. Uh, who I had the privilege uh, to actually talk to, uh, Mimi Lyons, uh, also uh, Clay Holt, and Russell Friss, uh, some of the nicest people you'll ever meet, but have been done a huge injustice. Tonight, AJC Radio gives them a platform to speak to the uh, firsthand Lisa experiences of the corruption. We're not just taking somebody's word for it. We're not just saying, well, you know, we just believe this to be. These are things that have been going on in the news. As we've heard, Lisa, at the top of the show, at the top of the, uh, when we started tonight, the horrific complaints, complaint after complaint in states uh, that is going on. And we're going to get ready to bring these folks on uh, uh, to the program and hear what they have to say uh, and I believe what they have to say is critically important. And if you're at home tonight, uh, definitely tune in. Uh, these, this is important. And because many of parents in this country live with fear that what's going to happen now, at least as you alluded to, what, just hypothetically, let's just go there, mm-hmm. that she goes home and calls Child Protective Services and says your son is not being fed. Do you know when they show back up at that house, what impact does that have on your son? What havoc does that cause in your household and in your in your home? Oh, you can't even imagine. You cannot even go there. So, look, we're going to get ready to get into this now uh, as we get ready to bring these guests on. And, again, I've had the opportunity and the privilege of uh, talking to them. Um, and, uh, folks, uh, we're going to go first with Clay Holt. Are you there? Yes. Uh, good evening to you, uh, Clay. How are you doing? It's Kaylee, honey. Kaylee, we have Clay. My apologies, Kaylee. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. And we're going to give you an opportunity to share uh, your story. I had the privilege of talking to you uh, this week, uh, and we got a whole panel here tonight. Uh, Kaylee, and then we have Mimi Lyons. Uh, Mimi, are you there? And they're gonna they're gonna bring her in here momentarily, um, and I believe we also have Russell Friss and Mimi. Are you there? Yes. Can you hear me? Hey, Mimi. How are you doing? All right. I'm doing good. Uh, for privilege, uh, I was telling our folks tonight and our listeners that we had a wonderful talk. Uh, you, uh, myself, Russell, and Kaylee. Uh, and Russell, are you there? Yes, sir. I'm here. 
Okay, and a privilege to have you folks on. And I believe we're waiting on one more caller. Uh, and Ronnie, are you with us? Okay, and we're, we're going to get him in. We're going to get him on momentarily. So right now, uh, we're going to go into uh, this conversation. And I, I guess as I was talking to these folks tonight, uh, this week rather, um, we were in a situation whereas. Uh, I was troubled with the stories and things that I had actually heard. Uh, it, it was unbelievable uh, that what we were dealing with. And I believe, I'll tell you what, when you hear the stories from these folks that I heard this week, uh, you better have some headache medicine nearby uh, because it is so troubling. It, you, you're scratching your head. Is this happening in America? And Kaylee told me point blank, yes, it is. Uh, and it happened to her and uh, I'll tell you what, we're going to hear from them right now. I believe, Cliff, I know, I believe we have a caller that had a comment prior to us getting started. Uh, we're going to try to bring him in uh, to hear what his comment is prior to, we getting, uh, to us getting started tonight. And I believe that is Randy. Yes. Okay, Randy, are you with us? Okay, we must have lost him. We'll come back um, with him. Okay, Kaylee, I'm going to give you the floor first. Uh, and tell the folks out here tonight, what you have suffered and in, in brief, what you are experiencing and why you are advocating so hard against this corruption with Child Protective Services. Okay. Hello, everybody. First of all, um, I would like to say, um, going back 2009, me and my son moved into my new apartment and I was um, battered by his father. We moved into my apartment, and the last thing that uh, my son's father told me was he was going to get revenge on me um, for having him arrested for assaulting me. Um, so I'm living in my apartment within a year. My son gets hurt on the playground. I take my son to the ER, and when we get to the ER, I explain to them what happened. He was at the babysitter, so I was not there. I told them, I related to them what happened. So they released me that day, that night, with my son and told me that I had to report to another hospital the next day. Now, when I got to the other hospital the next morning, a CPS lady comes in and tells me, that I need to make a safety plan for my son that I cannot take him home. At that point, I was scared. I did not know my rights, and I didn't know what was going on. So they tried to get me in court for felony child abuse and neglect. I had a lawyer that I paid. The lawyer um, beat the case. There was no substantial evidence. So CPS gets ticked off, and they come after me civilly um, because when I was in the ER with my son, they had taken my two-year-old son and duct taped his arm around a cardboard splint. Now, by the time we got to the ER, the cardboard splint was digging into his arm and was causing a paper cut. So when I was in court, I told the judge what I did, and if I had to do it over again, I would because what I was doing I thought was the best for my son at the time. 
So they removed my son. My son ends up in foster care for almost two years. While my son was in foster care, he was being beat with a belt. He was having hot sauce poured down his throat, and he was being bullied by other children. I reported um, abuse to CPS. They shut me down. I have been fighting this since 2009 and still today. I have seen the corruption in the courtroom. I told the judge that's been overseeing all of my cases with me and my son. I told him that his courtroom was a circus. He didn't like that. I'm not one to bite my tongue, but I will say whatever I have to say in the most respectful manner that I can. So my son is autistic. He has spectrum. He comes out to me in 2013. He's living with his father. CPS gives him to my ex-batterer. He comes out to me in 2013 and tells me that he's not allowed to use the bathroom like a woman. And I was having supervised visits with him, and he was scared to go to the bathroom by himself. So he comes out and he tells me that his dad caught him using the bathroom like a woman. His dad comes in the bathroom and grabs him up off of the commode while he's using the commode, slams him against the wall. My son tells me he could not breathe. His daddy had a monster face. He said his father finally put him down. He said, Mommy, it wasn't so bad that day because at least I didn't get beat. He said, but Daddy hung me on the towel rack by my T-shirt, turned the light off, and closed the door. I reported that to CPS, along with a police report. And they turn around and come after me and continue to shut me down. 2014, my son's father grabbed him up, raised him up to a ceiling fan in the living room, and threatened to stick his head in the ceiling fan if he did not finish his punishment. And what his punishment was is his father makes him do a punishment. It's called invisible chair. My son has to bend his knees, and he has to hold his arms out, and he has to stay in that position. So that particular night, he couldn't do it, so he raises him up to the ceiling fan. I call the police. I make a police report. I call CPS. I made a phone call to the governor's office, to the mayor's office, the school board. I called everybody possible. And they forced CPS to do an investigation. Now, I take my son to uh, a children's advocacy center. And after we were done, I asked my son what happened. He says, Mommy, they didn't ask me what happened with Daddy raising me to the ceiling fan. He said they just asked me how school was and to draw a picture. So 2015, my son comes out to me and tells me that he was made to eat his vomit. He was at his father's wedding. Well, He knows that my son does not like barbecue. He forced him to eat it and made him do invisible chairs the same day. I call the police. I call CPS, make a report, and then they come after me for a child protection order. Till this day, me and my four-year-old daughter have not seen my son in almost eight months. I told CPS that they can kick rocks. They want me to do a psyche valve. 
I told them I'm not doing it. They have violated my rights. They have violated my children. And I am a voice, and I'm going to speak. No, and um, Kaylee, that is... Whew, that is that's 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 that's, that's wow. That's the tip of the that's just the tip of the no. iceberg, Lamont. No, and that's I, just I, the tip I, of the iceberg. No, we're gonna come back to you, and but I want to ask you a, a quick question. I know uh, Ronnie Davis, uh, a strong advocate, uh, has also uh, is on this panel tonight, and let me introduce him very quickly. Ronnie, are you there? I am, in fact. And Ronnie, a privilege again talking to you again. Uh, when and I know you are, uh, you have a stellar reputation for fighting for inge- fighting against injustice. And after I had a, a, an opportunity to speak with you, ladies and gentlemen of America, make no mistake about it, Ronnie Davis, uh, he's not someone to be played with by any means, uh, but will fight the good fight. And Ronnie, I want to give you an opportunity. I know you're familiar with Kaylee's uh, story. Uh, and I'd like to go to you, and then we're going to get to Mimi and Russell here momentarily. But, Ronnie, tell us a little bit, when you hear what Kaylee is saying, you would think we were definitely in the United States of America, without question. When you hear this type of horrific abuse, and again, CPS places Kaylee's son in the care of this man that is doing what he's doing. Ronnie, what are your thoughts when you hear this type of horror, if you will? First of all, thank you for having me on the show, and I'm, I'm, it's a pleasure to be here and speak with you too, brother, once again. And when I hear things like this, it lets me know that right off the cuff, Title 18 U.S.C. 2381 is being violated blatantly, boldly, and with no discretion against anyone for any reason. When you violate your oath of office, you actually are no longer immune by any form of law at all and are punishable as a regular criminal just like anybody else under those provisions. When you take into consideration that you have unalienable rights, there are several different forms of law. There's just solely, just of the soil, that's God's inalienable rights or the Earth's inalienable rights to all human beings, not necessarily Americans or citizens, just people who breathe, or human beings that breathe. Uh, the next one is jute natural, that's also of the earth and God. The next one is du jour, then de facto, from 1871. Then there is equity and record, which is admiralty and also common law. A lot of people have no idea that, first of all, the state has no legal jurisdiction to come and take any child. I su- strongly suggest all parents fighting the fight now challenge jurisdiction, both personal first and then subject matter, because you are your jurisdiction. You, your children are under your jurisdiction. Jurisdiction is not what a lot of people think from state to state, county to county, province to province. It's not like that. When they violate an oath of office and violate your jurisdiction and take your child, this is federal child abduction under Title 18 U.S.C. Uh, 1201, felonious restraint. These last couple of years have been so horrible. I have seen so many pictures of dead children in foster care. Now, when you see bruises on a 10-year-old little boy, we are, I, a lot of us have children, um, and they play. Children fall down. They run with the puppies. I run a farm. 
none of my children are hurt ever, but sometimes you fall down when you're chasing a chicken to get it in the pen. This happens. Okay, this didn't violate the child's rights in any way. It didn't hurt them in any felonious way. And these things can be misconstrued by any government official. Just on allegations, you can lose your children by a statute, code, and ordinance that is not a law. I'd like to go ahead and clear this up because I don't want to be a ball hog for tonight. I know we're limited on time, but at the same time, I would like you to understand thoroughly that uh, citizens and Americans are two different creatures entirely, okay? Citizens have privilege, um, privileges. Americans have rights. Statutes, codes, and ordinances are created by the British Accreditation Registry. They hold no office. They warrant no law. There's no merit. They are a bought, uh, a bought regime from a, uh, a, uh, England's actual crown, and it's come from Canaanite times to Roman times to America through Brit the British uh, crown. Now that we're here, they have used statutes, codes, and ordinances to take people's children without law. When I say without law, citizens, if you're a government official, any branch, if you are in the military enlisted, any branch, you are a citizen. If you are not enlisted in the United States military and you do not work for the United States government, you are not a United States citizen. You are just an American, just like me. We have rights that trump privileges. Federal law trumps all state laws. There's a state law, and then there's the law. There is a state constitution, and then the constitution. When your rights are violated, we have to file for remedy. There's recourse and remedy. I strongly suggest everybody look this up because you're not going to find a lot of what we talk about tonight online for a very good reason. Okay, and Ronnie, uh, you say we won't find those things online, and it would, would uh, lead us to believe that, uh, and, and I'm, I'm answering based upon what you just said, it is something that the uh, powers that be do not want the American people to know. Is that correct? Uh, beyond all shadow of a doubt, that's 100% correct. When you take into consideration that officers are told and encouraged to go write tickets, this shows pretense for mouse, okay? When, they're told you're, when you're told you're innocent until proven guilty but held in jail until proven innocent, this shows a conflict of interest. When people are told in this country that they cannot have their records, which is their IP, their transcripts, this is a violation and a federal obstruction of justice charge for interfering, tampering with a criminal investigation. When they stop you from getting your records, when they stop you from anything that deprivates your rights or your child's rights or any way to protect yourself, the state has set themselves up as judge, jury, and executioner. And this right here is like a Le Coupe de Grace. You can't have this because it, it violates the child's rights first because children have the right to their parents. Parents are given the presumption to child as well. This violates the child's rights and the parents' rights because they violated a jurisdiction, and they're hiding it very, very well. You, no one can go into a courtroom and defend anyone unless you are a British accreditation registrant. If you're not a bar attorney or a bar lawyer, you're not allowed to go in and protect them, and this violates my rights, okay, as, as uh, a legal counsel, a, Alpha Apex jurist, if you will, to go in and defend one of my friends or family or my neighbor, an enemy if I wish, 
to go and defend him under Title 17 U.S.C. 28. I have full legal rights to go and protect this creature, this human being, whatever, in court, because law under Title 17 U.S.C. 28 cannot be licensed for it is an open practice for all who can elucidate or interpret it. Law cannot be licensed for it is an open practice for, to all who understand. That's the point of sui juris. When people look this up, you'll see that all attorneys who are now bar judges, these bar attorneys have now become judges. This shows a vested interest for capital, for capita coming over the bench. Each judge that violates his oath of office is getting money off the top of each child that is sent into foster care. It's not incentives. It's extortion. It's racketeering and treason, period. No, absolutely, Ronnie. And I want to come back to you uh, because apparently you're very rehearsed in what you know. Uh, and I think the American people need to hear that. So I think what Cliff, as, as we've heard from uh, Kaylee and Ronnie thus far, uh, we're seeing some blatant – how do you blatantly – most folks that are doing extortion and doing stuff, they try to at least do it undercover. CPS Can is I doing say it something, Lamont? Sure. Uh, Kaylee, I, yeah. um, when I went to court last, I held up pictures of my son, uh, took pictures of him. We were on the way to the pool, and that particular weekend when I got him, his dad had um, um, slammed him and choked him. And I was telling my son that I wanted to take pictures of him in his swimming trunks um, before we were going to the pool, him and, you know, my daughter. Mm-hmm. And so when I took the picture... I ended up cropping the picture, and I could see the knuckle prints under my son's neck and the bruises and marks around his shoulder area. And I printed the picture, and I took it, and I tried to show it to the judge, and he puts his hand up and does not want to look at it. And I told the judge, I also told the judge that his father has been in foster care prevention. Why does his dad still have custody of my son when he has failed drug tests? And I told the judge um, other things uh, as well, you know. And this judge is Edward D. Barry, Albemarle County, Charlottesville City, in Virginia, Juvenile and Domestic Relations Court. This judge is corrupt. Okay, and uh, you know, you said you don't hold any bar, you don't hold back. And on AJC Radio, we believe in calling names. We didn't have to tell you that tonight, Kaylee. And uh, that's important, that we know who these judges are, that we speak out against them. And I want to, right now, I want to go to Russell. And Mimi, we're coming right to you. But Russell, tell the folks tonight, this is unbelievable. And you're talking about four, uh, three, three people on here, four people who are fighting and speaking out against this corruption. But we're talking about families in the thousands, Lisa, who are suffering this same abuse across this country. And that's why it needs to absolutely be addressed, as these folks have been brave and came on to address that tonight. Uh, Russell, tell us a little bit about your situation. I was really heartbroken with what you had told me of what they had done to you. Uh, Share a little bit uh, with the people about your situation and the corruption with Child Protective Services. Well, let me first start off by saying that uh, my, my situation and my case is in the state of Virginia as well. It's in Norfolk County, and it's uh, Judge Larry Willis Sr.'s courtroom in Chesapeake, Virginia. 
So there's something definitely going on within the state of Virginia about all the corruption that's going on in the J&DR courts there. Um, like I was telling you before, back in, you know, 2010, when my wife absconded to the state of Virginia where she was harbored by them, um, I, she disappeared for two years. And I got a letter one year from the IRS stating that, you know, she had signed my name to the taxes, and that's how I found her. In 2013, I filed for custody, you know, and divorce and stuff like that. And during that time, she was living with her boyfriend, um, William Bruno Jr., who was obviously beating on my children. They're afraid of this man. Um, And the summer of 2013, my wife and I, we decided to – we called and got a hold of my ex-wife, and, you know, we were trying to establish custody and stuff like that. I was granted uh, a couple weeks of visitation. During those weeks, my children had reported to me, you know, the horrors and of being abused and hit by this man repeatedly. Um, I had called Child Protective Services on him, and they did nothing. Well, after the... Uh, the custody case was going on i was given eight weeks and every other vacation like christmas vacation thanksgiving and stuff like that um one thanksgiving i had got them and they had told me more about the abuse my son told me that he was slapped around and hit and punched because he didn't have clean laundry and he was getting up and going to school and had to dig through dirty laundry to go to school and my daughter told me that my that her mother's boyfriend watches her get dressed. She feels uncomfortable around him, and he's touched her inappropriately several times. Run his hand across her buttocks and across her chest. And this is something a 10-year-old girl doesn't lie about. And she reported this to me. I, I reported this to Child Protective Services, and they did nothing about it in the state of Virginia. They brushed it off. So when I got them... I had taken them back to Ohio, where I was currently living at the time, and I called the sheriff's department there. The sheriff's department recommended that I get them seen at a children's hospital in the area. I made the appointment, and Child Protective Services in Virginia had called, had found out, and they had called this children's hospital, and they had canceled my appointment. We went to show up. They told me that the appointment was canceled. And they didn't want to testify in court because they didn't want to have to go to Virginia and waste their time and money. I was livid. My wife was angry, and there was nothing done. A couple days later, we get a letter in the mail stating that we have to return the kids because of the jurisdiction that Virginia retained over them. We drove back to Virginia, and during the 10-hour ride that we were going back, I was on the phone to the Child Protective Services workers who told me they had an appointment set up at the Norfolk Children's Hospital. Well, we get to the Norfolk Children's Hospital, and there was no appointment ever made. I get served with papers there, and my children are forcibly taken from me. The CPS worker there, the next day in court, had lied all about it. I had uh, basically been coerced and lied to to bring the kids back into the state of Virginia. Um, During court, I mean, there was no due process, and there was obviously abuse of powers going on there. The guardian ad litem, Katie Brown, she was in cahoots with my ex-wife and the Department of Social Services workers there, 
about what was going on. I had all my my custody taken away from me and given to my ex-wife. She's now in control of it. I get 10 minutes per child on the phone every week when she decides to have them call me. I have a no contact order. Um, the attorney that I had hired, she purposely lost the case because she was in bed with the judge. There's just countless things that have gone on throughout the four years that I was battling for custody of my children there. It's just one big fiasco. It's one big lie. I've tried contacting the state of Virginia's ACLU. They're afraid to do anything because the judge in my case is the state bar association president. They're afraid of this. But I talk to on social media outlets that have all had the same judge and they say the same thing. Everybody's afraid to go up against him because of the things that he does. Uh, yeah, I was detained for 10 days for speaking constitutional law in his court because it was in contempt and violation of what he thought, you know, I was speaking about. Um, I had two attorneys tell me to shut up when I started talking about that. And I just don't know how to convey it any better. They, they yeah. violated me. They violated my children. Um, there's a lot of other custody issues that have gone on in there too. You know what, Russell? This is this is this is just unacceptable. You know, Cliff. We talk a lot about the criminal proceedings with judges and the travesty in this nation in criminal court. Can you explain to me and to our listeners, Cliff, how in the world? Do we now show the same corruption with our children? With, the, with Russell and Kaylee and, 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 and Mimi, which we're going to hear from her in a moment. And Mimi, we're going to make this point, and I'm coming to your story. How is this possible in America? Yeah, this is, this is absolutely uh, sickening. You know, I'm sitting here listening to Russell. And how do you, as a so-called Child Protective Services agent or whoever it was, Call up the children's house. I mean, you're there. It, it doesn't matter who has jurisdiction at this point. If these kids were, I mean, if you were in California, if you were in New York, at this point, you have gotten stories from your children that there's abuse going on. It doesn't matter about jurisdiction. It's about the children. Let them be seen by the doctors that are there at hand while uh, things are fresh on their mind. It's like, I mean, it, it, it takes enough for a child to be able to say, okay, I'm willing to talk to a stranger about what happened to me. Let it come out. Let it happen to, to have those children and then say, okay, well, now bring them on a 10-hour ride and we have another appointment set up that we set up in our jurisdiction. That is sickening. And what it shows is, is the, the entire process is corrupt. You, the judge is on the side of the, of the protective services agent. They know that they're not going to get any uh, kickback from the judge, any type of lashing for things that they did wrong. And then the judge ignores your plea. This is uh, – wow. it, 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 leaves you, it leaves you speechless. And, folks, if you want to well, get in on – What's really sickening is when they laugh at you. They laugh well, at you absolutely. in their own courtroom, and they mock you in front of you. And, that, and the judge, that's, and that's I, what Judge Larry Willis has done to me several times. So the judge and actually, Judge Barry, Judge Barry in the courtroom where I was, he's sitting on the bench and he's falling asleep. Wow! And oh, we, 
How you? Let's fall on, ladies and gentlemen. Hold one. Hold that thought. I'm going to come to Mimi here in a moment. How do you fall asleep at the wheel? That's what Jerry was doing. He was falling asleep in many court hearings when I was sitting there, and the CPS worker and the attorneys they're looking at each other, signaling each other on what to do, and he's and he's sitting there on the bench, closing his eyes and his head bobbling back and forth. And if that is the response from a judge regarding our children, we have a major problem in this country. How do you fall on? Yes. Because the reason I say that is because everything is already coerced. Everything is already made and set up and planned to go before the parents come in the courtroom. That's That's their racketeering. Who who was, and it was Ronnie, was that you or Russell asking for a comment? That was me. That was me. Um, My wife, she, she was a mental health tech in the Air Force for quite some years, and she's very skilled at what she does. Um when she was talking with my daughter, my daughter would talk to her, obviously a woman thing going on there, but my daughter was very comfortable talking with my wife and she would convey to her all sorts of issues that were going on in the house. And when my wife and I were talking to the guardian ad litem, the guardian ad litem, she just, she just didn't like my wife and she wouldn't listen to her. And they wouldn't let her testify in court to the things that, that were told by my daughter to her. And this is this is from a lady that is used to dealing with people with post-traumatic stress disorders, you know, combat fatigues and stuff like that from people in the military, but they wouldn't take any of her testimony that was given by my daughter into any consideration. They just sloughed it off, laughed it off, and swept it under the rug. And I'd, I'd like to know, and 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 before, I, one second, one second, Kaylee, let's go to Mimi real quick because we haven't heard her voice yet. Mimi, okay. tell America what happened to you. Okay, 2009, this is when CPS came into my life through false allegations for the ex-girlfriend named Teresa Marie Cook James. They, I lived in Amherst County at the time. They received over 100 phone calls of me physically abusing my, abusing my child. Um, CPS didn't come to my door. They left me a brochure and a mail to contact them. So I contacted them. The, the Amherst County CPS worker came out. She told me the only reason she was at my house is because she received over 100 phone calls. But 100 phone was, calls? A hundred phone calls, and oh. she was shocked because there was no police report, nor doctor report, just hearsay from the ex-girlfriend. Um, the allegation was I slapped my child in the mouth and on the arm by the mother. I choked my child and was fighting with her for a long time. Marky phoned it, the daughter, hit child in the nose and in the mouth with her hand. But there was no witnesses to the incident that happened in Mom's car. This is all. This is on the CPS workers report when they did the home study. The social worker state it stated that I said what they put the mother said that it made me wrong to hit child. The mom does recall seeing blood but stated she was so mad at the time it didn't matter. The child did not tell mom she was injured. The child the child of her mom because she wants to be treated like an adult. The child was 13 years old. 
the mom does not qualify for DS as assistant but is disabled. Mom is unable to supervise and provide for the child properly. This is what the CPS worker put in the notes to take that child. Um, Ormus County DSS, no removal, no police report, no doctor report. This allegation made by ex-girlfriend Teresa Mayweather James, a social worker, court service unit coordinator, even answering. On the homestead report, they put me on the child abuse register, which mostly has numerous criminal offenses, which mostly is disabled to take care of her child, which mostly has a felony for assaulting battery police officer. Stated by Teresa Marie Cook James. Ms. Mosley has ankle problems and directs them towards the child. Ms. Mosley shouldn't be putting her daughter on Vercator at a young age. Ms. Mosley claims she was falsely accused. Ms. Mosley claims she went to college. Uh, the funniest thing is, um, is the jurisdiction, Amherst County, Yvette Anthony, who is the court service unit worker in Ashburg, Virginia. Uh, when, I transferred, when I transferred the case, she immediately stole my child from me. She knew the ex-girlfriend had committed fraud by using my government documentation. She verbally abused my daughter, and I would tell you each time they would not talk to my daughter like that in front of me. I had a wonderful social worker, Mr. Barrington. He particularly told Yvette Anthony and Lucy Vance that Teresa Mayweather James doesn't have any rights to my daughter, and she's a non-blood relative. Ms. Mosley doesn't have any abuse or neglect against her as of today. My daughter was put in a foster home because I would not agree to Teresa Marie Cook James to be the mother of my child. I have filed complaints from four judges, Judge William Wright, who is deceased, Judge Rosie Paragall in the third, uh, he penalized me for representing myself, and when I had a father, <clears throat> he penalized me because he thought I was being disrespectful. Kenneth okay. W. Farrell, I wrote a complaint because he would not listen to none of my case. Well, none of my, he would not let me speak. He would um, let the TPS worker speak, but he would not let me speak. The whole time in the juvenile court system, my case only lasted five minutes. That was enough for the CPS worker to make a statement, and court was not. So Let me ask you a question, Mamie. Yeah. Not to cut you off, Mamie. Let me ask you a question. How many years did you go uh, as a result being separated from your daughter? How many years? It's, it's been almost five years, but my daughter was sneak to see me. My daughter was sneak to see me, and the hardest thing is trying to keep my daughter with me, and if I if I would have took my daughter and kept her with me, then I was threatened to be put in jail. And your daughter is sneaking out. Ronnie, I want to uh, pose this question to you, maybe. We're going to come back to you. Ronnie, when you hear that, see, a child that's being abused is not necessarily going to run back home. They're going to run away from home. What, Ronnie, in your opinion and your legal mind, what is the motivating factor for these CPS workers to do this to these mothers and to these children? What is driving them that's blatant, at least in your perception of things, Ronnie? Actually, in fact, it's uh, a vested interest. It, these are no longer the days of back 
when families couldn't have a child and couldn't conceive, you'd go to foster care and they would pick you out uh, a family that couldn't have a child that would live up to the standards of being a good parent and a good shepherd and guardian and teacher and protector and provider. Those days are long gone. These CPS, DCF, C, uh, whatever they may be labeled in all the different acronyms, these are supposed to be child protective services. In fact, they're vested interest services, okay, because they make a capital off of each child that gets into the system. Children who are actually special needs draw a higher percentage of a vested interest per capita of children who go across that bar, uh, that bench of that judge's uh, gavel that day because he is also, when he acts out of his jurisdiction, and I want a lot of people to go ahead and look that word up, jurisdiction. It's not what you think it means. When someone says, look up jurisdiction, both personal and subject matter, you are your jurisdiction, like I said earlier. When a judge acts out of his jurisdiction, he acts on his own discretion and out of his own oath of office. No judge has any right anywhere to let DCF, DCF or CPS or DHR do this to any parents, mother or father, because he doesn't have the legal right unless the child's rights have been violated by abuse, which is assault or starvation or rape, something like that. There has to be a physical violation of the rights of the child in order for the state or the government to have any legal jurisdiction at all to pick up the child. And, because and, parents... And, Hey, sorry, Ron, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, That's okay, nobody, knows, nobody knows this. True. So and they, they none, of us, this none, of us are, none of us have been criminally charged. It's all civilly. It's all exactly. about the federal funding. They can't right. charge you because it's under a statute code and ordinance and not a law. See, statute codes and ordinances are going to cite you with things that are illegal. Here's a few things that are illegal that people think are legal. Check this out. First, family court, child support, tags, license, registration. The cusp number on the back of that child's birth certificate is an illegal modern-day slave trade that has been going on. Your cusp number that is in red on the back of your birth certificate, is on the NASDAQ generating revenue. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is actually a conspiracy fact that you can Google and look up. Um, your cusp number on the back gives the state, because when you sign that birth certificate, you're telling the crown, the king's magistrate, that you are giving your child to them to the king's goods, to the king's store. When you sign a birth certificate, they tell you, you can't leave this hospital till you give that child a name. What they really mean, easily translated, is you can't leave until we can give this child a cusp number, which is going to be a driver's license number, a social security card, and all the other extortion rackets to get you hemmed up into things. People's rights have been construed into privileges for so long that now they no longer know the difference of which is which, and it is literally making parents kill themselves. Okay. Amen. Let me give you a quick thing on ProQuo on how this works. I actually learned a little bit from one creature that told me when they start stopping people from getting their their transcripts and their records, that's a red flag. When they act without jurisdiction, that's another red flag. When they act Amen. 
without any law whatsoever, this is high treason. Now we've crossed over into different waters, and it's an act of terrorism when you act without jurisdiction. If that parent writes up a, co a, a commercial lien against the bond of a judge or judicial official and says, I so-and-so had my, my property or my child taken from me against my will under duress without my consent by these people on this date from this address, and this violates my right and my child's right under UCC, if you want to use that, 1-308, formerly 1-207, Reservation of Rights, and also Title 18 U.S.C. 1201, felonious restraint. None of your rights can be construed and conveyed into a privilege. When they do this, it is an act of treason. Okay, these judges are going to prison very soon, not just sued. When you have a young man put in prison who has a football scholarship and he smoked a joint of pot and they took his scholarship, put him in jail, gave him five years of probation and he commits suicide, and I hate to say this for a lot of people, but marijuana's never been against the law. It's been against the statute, code, and ordinance. Just like a license is a statute, code, and ordinance, your tags and registrations statutes, codes, and ordinances, they come and take your children for a statute, code, and ordinance, not a law. This oh, is treason. Absolutely. And you know what, uh, ladies and gentlemen of America, can make I, no mistake about it, there's can many... I, can I, one, can moment, I, one moment, can I, Kaylee. One moment, Hello? Kaylee. We're going to get to you here in a moment. Give me one second. Uh, there, are, there are people who are speaking out of this in large numbers Outside of Ronnie Davis, Kaylee Holt, uh, Russell Frisk, and Mimi Lyons, there are a lot of people, including attorneys, professors, people who are blatantly saying the violation of CPS, as Ronnie has so eloquently broken down for us, and we've become blind to exactly uh, our rights being violated. And I, hear, I want you to hear this clip, and we're going to come back and get comment of what people are saying now about this issue. Can I finish one thing? This is Mimi. Hello? Mimi, uh, go ahead. Um, the social worker that was on my case, he was not licensed, he was not registered, and that was one who denied my child on August 8th, 20. Okay, and Mimi, are you still there? Did we lose her? We may have lost her. Let's go to the, uh, Kaylee, are you there? Can you hear me? Hello? We can hear you now. Hello? Um, the social worker that was on my case, Elena Brown, was not licensed. He was not with the foster care prevention. There was also a con conflict of interest on my case. The chief director of DHS, Danny Kirkland, who was then retired, refused to move Elena Brown off my case. Elena Brown had a relationship with Teresa McDonald's. And I was denied my child based on because she just wanted her to have my child, not on no factual, not on no factual evidence, just hearsay information. And the GAL, Floyd Eisenhower, Floyd Eisenhower III, labeled me as a vexatious litigant. Vexatious litigant means I am harassing the court system for my own child because I have not been proven, uh, I have not been charged or abused neglect, neglect as of day. Under the common law, nobody can stop the citizens from accessing the court. 
that what the garden alignments are doing now are laboring as loving current vexatious ligands, which in layman terms mean harassing the court. Hello? Hello? Okay, Mimi, we're gonna we're gonna come back to that point here momentarily. Uh, we're gonna go to the clip now. We had some technical difficulties. Let's go to that clip right now of what folks are saying about CPS. And as you can tell, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is a subject that people cannot, uh, they're trying to wrap their hands around this of all, and it's so much information, but it is critical that we understand this is one of many, as we said earlier, thousands of cases, as Ronnie alluded to, many Americans are not even aware of the system, how it works, what's going on, the conspiracy, and all of the stuff that's going on with the corruption of CPS. Let's hear what these other folks have to say. victims of state-sanctioned child abductions. It's difficult to believe how easily and quickly children are removed from their parents without any show of wrongdoing. This amounts to nothing more than a state-sanctioned kidnapping. Doctors are doctored. The transcripts have been altered. Fabricated medical evidence. Tapes edited. The altering of trial audio tapes. The audio tapes were criminally edited. Transcript tapes were edited. Judges fixing transcripts. Victims of false allegations of abuse. Evidence of police wrongdoing, of edited tapes, of manufactured evidence. The evidence is being manufactured. Father proves courts edit tapes to remove the evidence that, that goes against the judge's ruling. Okay. They know what they're doing. And for them to pretend that they don't know that the records are being altered, these are not stupid people. This is not just overzealous officials claiming to err on the side of caution for uh, children's welfare. This is a systematic confiscation of children from their parents. The desire to protect children, of course, is a noble desire. However, what, has turned, what this has turned into is an industry. For prosecutors that, that could make conduct illegal and prosecute with the full force of government to, to, to create crimes. A, set, a new set of crimes. It creates civil orders without rights, without your rights because you weren't there. We often have what's called an ex parte hearing. That means one where only one side goes in and the other side doesn't get any notice, has no idea that there's a hearing going on, and doesn't even show up because they don't know what's happening. And the incestuous nature sort of how the courts and the custody evaluators and the party that's being favored by those professionals in the court system kind of collaborate together. Children, but in some cases the elderly, are effectively confiscated by uh, court officials. Their estates are plundered. I was put on trial by federal court. I was sentenced to six months in jail. And I faced a relentless series of charges. Just two words, federal money. So the incentive is not to keep the child in the home. What you have now in this country is a situation where the judiciary and the, and the bar are working together to run a criminal racketeering enterprise that is extorting money from people under color of office. And there you have it, folks. Uh, something very, very troubling there. Uh, you have attorneys and professors speaking out of what what they have seen. And, and Lisa and Cliff, it appears to me that these are not isolated incidences uh, that Kaylee uh, and Mimi and Russell are talking about. 
this is it, it, and this is my opinion, Ronnie, and I and I'll let you chime in, Kelly. I'm going to come to you here in a moment, but this seems to be an epidemic. Uh, that well, is Lamont. Yes. Before you go any further, I, I I know of an attorney down in Virginia Beach, Ryan Thumb, who told my wife and I that there is no conspiracy theories in divorce and custody cases, and this stuff that you just played on that clip does not happen. He sat there bold-faced and lied to the both of us. We had the good sense to get up and walk out of there when he said that because he was feeding us such a line of BS that he was getting annoyed with it because we were asking those same very questions of what the truth really was that was going on. And, and I'll tell you, Russell, this is my perception, and Cliff, I want you to chime in on this with us, is that what it seems to be to me, uh, we don't have a checks and balance system, a, 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 uh, at least a sufficient one, that checks and balances child protective services. And I think when you have, there's no mistake about it, when judges are doing what they are doing, in Kaylee's case, you have a child taking and being allowed to be placed in the care of an abusive father, a care, a care of a father who is physically, emotionally, in every way, abusing her child. And as a mother, Lisa, how, how do you sit back and, and, I guess to a point you seem powerless. I mean, you seem powerless because if a judge, whatever the judge says, that's apparently what it is. And judges are breaking the law every day. They're doing it every day. These entities. Sorry, it's unbelievable. And, Russell, I, I go back to your point. You know what I mean? Uh, you filed for divorce. You've been a good father. You've been a father of example. I don't – what is the motivating factor outside of money that we've, we've touched in on a little bit tonight, that the money and the – it's kind of like – It's a game to them. That's All of it has this to do with money. All it all has to do with money. They have they have mandates that they have to make yearly. And they at treat the cost this of what? Game because they're out destroying good families that don't deserve this. They're abusing and the with, system. There's abuse of power, and these entities and, they know and what they're doing with this because these judges are allowing them to do it because there is no checks and balance system. The system is flawed. The judges are on being paid off. They're collecting money from this. They're distributing the wealth through the attorneys who are all in bed together. And it's, it's just sickening. It's disturbing and it's disgusting. It's destroying good families. And it's destroying this nation as a whole because you keep feeding the monster while you do this. It sends a vicious cycle throughout families. Throughout, it, it, it generates more money like everybody's saying. And, that's and they start, on the, next, they start on the next generation. They start on the next generation. So if they mess your kids up, CPS uh, will be looking out for their children to join to to go after them as well. It's a it's a repeated cycle. Yes. No, absolutely. This is something yes. that's really troubling. And I'll tell you right now, folks, uh, we are up against the clock on this very important issue as we continue to at least expose some of these injustices, some of these uh, corruptions that these, uh, our special guests tonight have shared just a little bit, just the tip of the iceberg of what's going on in America. And I think when we begin to visit these things, it is time that America take a look in the mirror and say, what are our children worth? When the, when the scales of injustice are out of control to the point where it affects innocent children, and money, as, as all of you have agreed to, 
that money is the is the motivating factor. It is about getting paid. It is about some CPS workers on the inside. How do we pad our pockets? How do we pay? Well, let me add, let me add this to it too. The state, yes. any state that you're in, they don't like to lose because once they lose, they have to pay out of pocket, and sure. there goes their money. So no state Absolutely. in the United States wants to lose their cases. So they're going to twist everything around that you yes. say or you do and use it against you because that's how they're yes. trained to do this. Well, and we see that like in they every twisted it, they twisted it around with my son because they the state gets more money um if he's a minority, they get more money if he has a disability. My son is biracial and he has um autism. So, I was well, told um that the state made $250,000 off of my son within 1 year being in the foster care. Wow. Very quickly, very quickly, uh, we're going to have to end it. One moment, Mimi. Uh, We're going to have to end this segment here. I want to give each of you an opportunity. I do appreciate you folks coming on the show tonight. And hopefully, I believe, uh, uh, Cliff, uh, bringing some knowledge to America in regards to the Child Protective Services uh, organization, I believe that these are things that will have parents asking those questions. I'm going to go with you one at a time. I understand you folks are doing advocate, advocacy work, fighting to bring a change to and bring attention and awareness to the corruption of CPS, and, and that is critically important. I'm going to give you an opportunity to give your contact information. If people want to get a hold of you, if they want to reach out and be a part of this fight against the injustice of Child Protective Services, we're going to give you an opportunity to give your information. Russell, I'll start with you first. Um, I, I'd prefer not to give it out. I'm, I'm known on social media and okay. on a daily basis. I've got five or six people that are reaching out to me that are okay. looking to get answers to the questions that they don't understand. And they're just in the beginning stages of this, of sure. this fight that they're in, and they, they don't know where to turn to. They don't know how to turn into this, how they got in this situation, or how they're going to get out of it. And that's... The okay. advocacy part that we okay. all need to fight for right there. No worries there. And none of you folks are obligated to give any information. But if you, if any one of you feel you want to give contact information to I'll other wait. families that may be tuning into this program. Okay, Kaylee, did you ha- and okay, and Mimi, what's your contact information for folks to get a hold of you? Uh, Mimi Lyons on Facebook, or either they can contact me, dmosley5172 at all.com. Okay, and thank and you for that. Ronnie? Yes, uh, real quick, I'd like to also say, just to take a clip out of things and help maybe a lot of parents, uh, DCF is a voluntary service like all the other ones. They can be stopped at the door. I just want to make that apparent real quick. They are a voluntary service, and if you hurry up and get your phone and a witness to go ahead and record, you can stop them at the door, tell them if they come in, you'll file a commercial lien on their judge, on the boss's bond, and they'll leave you alone. And I do have contact information. In fact, in, I'd like to go ahead and give that, guys, uh, give that to you if you can. My number is 863-874-4655. And if my voicemail's full, just keep on calling. Uh, your, your, your children are as important to me as my own. I mean that literally. Uh, I get 100 calls a day sometimes, and I can only answer 10 or 20. Uh, g- just keep calling, and I will respond to you. Just keep, keep on fighting this good fight, and I'll help all that I can. 
Okay, and Ronnie, I'm aware that you have a pretty good record. You've been responsible for returning kids to their homes uh, after they have been snatched by CPS as a result of your advocacy work and hard work. God bless you. you. You have seen that. Is that correct, Ronnie? Actually, I have eight confirmed and 44 unconfirmed. I'm finding that Facebook is hiding it. Mark uh, Zuckerberg is working with DCF. It's a federal watch site for sleeper cells, uh, bad guys, yep. stuff like that. And they're also, Mark is also helping DCF and CPS. For a fact, I have recordings and proof from many people that have shown that posts don't get through, information is not relayed, people are yep. sanctioned and stopped and are not allowed to tag. Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook is helping DCF, DHR, and CPS to take people's children. Okay. Just so everyone knows. No, absolutely. They stopped, uh, me. they stopped me from posting about the radio show tonight. They put a block on my Facebook line to not tell other people about it. Well, I'll tell you what, folks. I'll tell you what. We're not surprised in any way. Uh, when information is getting out, you'll find in the United States of America there are times that that information is to be blocked. Uh, it, people are not wanting others to know. And last but not least, Kaylee, any contact information that you would like to leave with the people of America tonight? Yes, I have a Facebook page. It's called Virginia Will Not Be Silenced. Come on to that page, join, post, reach out to me. If you want to call me personally, my cell phone number is 434-609-8484. I have helped many families um, with the courts and giving advice. Reach out to me. Absolutely, Kaylee. Uh, we have a very special thanks to Mimi Lyons, Ronnie Davis, Kaylee Holt, and Russell Friss. Thank you for your courage tonight in speaking to the issues. That is a huge problem. Uh, we appreciate you folks coming on the show tonight. Uh, give our very our thoughts and prayers go with you as you fight the fight and the return of your children as we continue to seek justice and bring that message of justice around the world. You folks have a good night, and thank you for joining us. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having us on. Lamont, I need to say one more thing, please. Yes. Yes. The uh, CPS worker that was on my son's case for almost three years, I had her fired. She has a criminal record. Her husband has a criminal record. Uh, So I got a phone call this week, a voicemail. The CPS supervisor over over top of the whole entire department, Bradley Wentz, with Albemarle County Department of Social Services, he left me a voicemail. He is leaving the agency this Thursday, March 31st, 2016. Okay, and uh, that information, we appreciate that, Kaylee. Look, sooner or later, uh, ladies and gentlemen of America, as, as folks and organizations, no matter what they are, begin to be exposed of corruption, you'll find uh, a lot of people scattering. Uh, we continue uh, to fight for the protection of America's children. If there's any type of corruption that can harm our children, it is something that has to be taken seriously. Lisa, as a result of what we've heard tonight, and Lisa, this information is so in brief, but you find the emotions, the, 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 the desperate cry for help. Yes. Uh, and when you're, fi- when you're standing up against entities of this nature and this size, sometimes you feel like, man, I can't be helped. I remember seeing something on Facebook Last week, to Ronnie's part, that they don't have a right to come in, and they showed up at this gentleman's house, and they were saying, we're here to check your baby. You want to see if they're healthy? He said, you're not coming in my house. 
Hmm. And it, they had two police officers behind him. And you know what? He said, you don't know the law. He said, you can't come in my house. He said, we need to see the baby. He said, you're not seeing my daughter. And he took, but the point I'm making is that he took a stand. Somewhere along the way, you have to draw the line. Yeah, you have to. They, uh, every, every arm of government, every form of any type of law enforcement, whatever it may be, of enforcing anything in this government, they all try to overreach. They yeah. all try to go beyond what they're allowed to do. And if you don't know what they can and can't do, then you're going to end up in a situation where you just suck. And who has time to fight these battles with children growing up in a very hostile world these days, Lisa and Cliff? The children are growing up with more challenges than they can even imagine. Do we need child protective services? Bending the rules of law and violating the law and the rights of children and parents, that's going to add to the problem that we have in this nation right now. Yes, Absolutely. And, you Go know, ahead, Cliff. No, I just wanted to say uh, to Lisa's point, that is why you have to understand and know the law yourself. Know it first and understand it secondly that is why you have to you have to when we say it on on uh ajc radio time and time again you gotta understand the process as it applies to you there's one thing to say oh this happened to someone or you know hey i'm not there it could happen to you someone can show up at your door somebody might have a vendetta against you say oh well you're abusing your kids what will you do if somebody uh child protective services shows up at your door be informed so that you can understand how you fight back against the system. No, absolutely, and it couldn't be said any better than that. Ladies and gentlemen of America, we're coming back to close out the corruption, uncovering the corruption of Child Protective Services, and on the horizon of this program, what you didn't know about the IRP-6 is coming up. We'll be right back. Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855 855- 529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A Just Cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. Good morning, students, and welcome to Career Day. I hope you're excited to hear about all the great things you can do when you grow up. Hi, everyone. I'm Emily. I'm super excited to introduce my dad because he's my hero. When I was little, my dad was away a lot. But I was okay with that because he was doing this really important work, driving ambulances in Iraq. Now he's at home, which is great for me because I get to see him every day now. And he's still the biggest hero I know because he tells all the ambulances and the fire engines where to go and rescue people when there's an emergency. I'm so proud of him. He's awesome. He's my dad. If your service-connected disability prevents you from continuing in your civilian career, Voc Rehab offers counseling, training with a living allowance, education, and other services to help prepare you for your next mission. 
What's going on in CPS in Texas is truly revolutionary and I think is going to start a chain reaction going through the rest of the country because CPS is an organization out of control. Of course, it was formed to do something good to protect children who were being abused and put them in families where they could be safe. But that's not what's happening now. CPS is not an organization that I think does that anymore. Uh, here's a new American story when CPS kidnaps children for money. And you read down in it, it talks about how they get thousands of dollars per child that they keep in foster care. And the longer those children stay in foster care, the more money they get. And they also get more money as they uh, are able to prescribe them more drugs. So they always go in to visit the psychologist or psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist gives them more more drugs, and they get more money. And the point is not to reunite these children with their families. The point is to keep more children in the system so the system gets more money. Here's the article from December 17, 2015. Federal judge finds Texas has broken foster care system, says she'll order changes. The long-term foster care in Texas is broken and routinely does grave harm to children already dealt a tough hand, a federal judge ruled on Thursday. U.S. District Judge Janice Graham Jack of Corpus Christi said the state violated the Constitution by keeping about 12,000 youngsters for years in underfunded and poorly run system where rape, abuse, psychotropic medication, and instability are the norm. All right, I'll read that one more time. Guys, can you put the camera on that so we can see that? Rape, abuse, psychotropic medication, and instability are the norm right there. That's what she said, and that's quoted. But the system, despite 20 years of reports and attempted fixes, keeps harming children. It's supposed, it's supposed to help. The stinging opinion reads. Now, I'll get into what changes she's going to propose, but one of the defendants in that case, the top official in the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services, DFPS, announced that he is stepping down May 31st, and that's Judge John Specia Jr. announced Friday he intends to retire after 30 years of public service. So that's what, yeah, I guess you get to do after you... you run a system for what this federal judge says for 20 years is totally broken you get to retire get a healthy pension and uh i guess he probably retired so he'd get no investigation and welcome back ladies and gentlemen this is ajc radio dealing with uncovering the corruption in child protective services across america and that particular clip cliff lisa uh talked about the state of texas and I think, Cliff, we alluded to this before about judges and their acts. When right before an indictment or an investigation or some type of charges are brought before the court on a judge or a court official, we automatically get retirement fever. Yeah, and the, and the sickening part about that is like they retire and then they get to just disappear. I'm like, okay, well... How is it that because you retire, no charges can be brought against you? What? How? How, did how that, does that work? How does that relate? Yeah, if I'm <laughs> if I'm accused of uh, swindling cash from the company I work for, uh, you know, uh, embezzlement, all these things, then well, I'm just going to quit my job. That doesn't change anything. Well, it doesn't change the conduct. And I think the scary part about all of this, uh, Cliff, Lisa, is. It shows what we talk about all the time on this program about unequal justice. What about a crying mother at home whose kids have been taken? I think there was one story, Lisa, we, uh, we had talked about earlier in regards to uh, she had left her son outside. He was playing on the playground. Uh, and, and as Ronnie alluded to, kids get hurt outside. 
Yes. Kids may break an arm. They may scratch, scrape a knee. Part of being a kid. You're part of being a kid. And then you go in and wreak havoc on a home and on a mother's heart and a father's heart and on a brother and a sister. Uh, You know, the siblings of these. How do and and I think uh, Kaylee alluded to the fact that her and her daughter cry every night about that, that she misses her little brother mm-hmm. or her older brother. I want my brother to come home. Someone must be held accountable for that. Yes. And I, I don't understand why we don't have federal guidelines for child protective services. Uh, we need something done. Yes, we because do. Because with an entity that large and you don't have a checks and balances in place, what type of abuse? But ultimately, the children are the collateral damage of this travesty. Yes, they are, most definitely. Cliff, your closing thoughts on this program tonight. It has been troubling to me. I mean, I just reiterate that, you know, understand your rights. And if, uh, you know, someone from Child Protective Services or anybody who's, uh, you know, a federal employee of anywhere comes to your house saying, I want to come in your house. No, that's your sanctuary. That is your that is your place of, uh, of privacy. Uh, you have to have a search warrant to come into somebody's house, a search warrant signed by a judge. To come into my house to do anything. You, if you want to come down and have a cup of coffee and just talk, if I don't want you in there, I don't have to let you in there. Police, FBI agent, whoever you may be, uh, it's not happening. And yeah. you have to understand the law for yourself. Uh, again, know it, and then uh, understand. It. No, absolutely. And we want to take it take time tonight, folks. Go to ajcradio.com. This program will be archived uh, with all of our other programs, which are listed there. We want to take a few moments to thank Mimi Lyons, Ronnie Davis, Kaylee Holt, and Russell Fritz for joining us tonight on this program and all of our listeners around the country, around America, and around the world uh, in, dealing, uh, in dealing with this, t- with this topic. I think it's critically important. Uh, and we're going to get uh, a comment. Uh, Cliff, we have a caller that wants to comment on this issue as we close this segment out. Uh, yeah, we had a young man who, who, was, who had called in earlier. We had him on hold while we had the panel up. And now, Randy, you are live. You had a comment about tonight's show. Uh, yeah, you, you, you keep uh, bringing up the federal rules in that. And I want to make sure people know this is being paid for by Title Four e of the Social Security Act. They're taking your Social Security money. It's not mm-hmm. people are getting older. They're taking your Social Security money, and they're paying – and 50% of administration fees out of your Social Security to train the social workers to act exactly like they're acting. Wow. Randy, thank you for that comment. How troubling is that? Uh, Lisa, when you hear that, we have a problem in this country. Oh, I believe it, and I believe what he's saying that they're that's they're setting up that way intentionally. I there's so much that is messed up and corrupt sure. in this state, in this country. It doesn't even make sense. You could never cover it. You could never hit every aspect of it if you if you talked every day of your life for the rest of your life. There's so much corruption. There's so many things that are messed up that needs to be fixed. It doesn't even make sense. Well, look, we got a problem in this country, Randy. Thanks for your call. We appreciate your comment and knowledge on this situation. And I'll tell you right now, uh, we appreciate all of the folks tonight that have, have joined into this discussion. Lisa, I'm sure we'll have many more of these. Uh, and now it's like you see so much corruption in one level of government, and you say, well, surely it can't be that bad over here. Well, guess what? It's sometime worse. Huh. 
it sometimes works. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, definitely take this this situation, this issue to heart uh, as we try to protect the children of America. It's critically important. And right now, what you didn't know about the IRP-6 starts right now. Some people think that business is a game. And what we have learned is that business actually is war. When they wanted people to sign non-disclosure agreements and all that kind of stuff, sometimes they didn't want to do it. It's strange to me. I think it's still strange. It just absolutely makes no sense. Is this really real? Is this happening? And, and then all of a sudden your whole life is ripped apart. What we have learned is that the IRP-6 story was supposed to be the American dream is an American nightmare. They were floored that uh, they were even being raided. It became very clear that the court-appointed attorneys were not working for the guys. Um, And it seemed like in many cases that they were um, collaborating or working with the prosecution. We constantly hear in the news, every week you're going to hear about another person wrongfully convicted. And this is a unique case in the sense that you have six men, six businessmen that have been wrongfully convicted. You would think the media would jump all over it. Justice is not fair anymore. They say justice is supposed to be blind. It's not blind. It's not blind. They pick and choose who they want to convict and who they want to send to jail. Is this happening in America? The American dream of the RP6 has turned into a nightmare, crying children left behind as a result of a corrupt system and corruption. We will seek and search for justice. We will ask the tough questions. We will demand answers as justice lays idle in the streets of America. We look for the answer. Ladies and gentlemen, go out to change.org, sign the petition now. America's future depends on it. And there you have it, folks. What you didn't know about the IRP6. These are six men who have been wrongfully convicted. You may ask yourself the question... How is this even possible? Does this, is this even real? Are we watching a production? Are we watching a movie that perhaps may bring things that are not true as a result of entertainment? We have news for you tonight. This is not a production. This is real. The IRP-6 wrongfully convicted patriots of America who sit in a position to protect the homeland. Who are they? David Banks, Dave Zappolo, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, Clinton Stewart, and Gary Walker. Tonight, what you didn't know about the IRP-6 involves a young lady by the name of Lawana Clark. You say, where does she come in to this injustice? Lawana Clark, wrongfully convicted, spent six six months in federal prison by the hand and the conduct of the same judge that 
put the RP6 there? How do these two cases relate? Federal Judge Christine Arguello refused clear evidence that proved the innocence of Lawana Clark by an expert witness who was not allowed, handwriting uh, uh, expert, who was not allowed even though it was proven that Lawana Clark had no connection to the charges brought against her. For perjury, a first-time offender, if you will, her being an innocent one, sent to six months in prison for perjury. What you didn't know about the IRP-6 is that the IRP-6 also was not given the right to present an expert witness to prove that their intent was one thing, and that is to keep America safe and to do business. Cliff, what you didn't know about the IRP-6. Yes, when you look at these two cases, you look at, I mean, there's so many things wrong. First, Judge Christine Arguello uh, prosecutes the case with LaWanna Clark um, and says she committed perjury, saying that she signed, of all things, uh, a uh, bank deposit slip. The handwriting expert, that uh, Judith, Judith Housley, that is used by the federal government for over 20 years, uh Lays out the evidence saying, saying no, there, it, this is not Lawana Clark's handwriting. This is not her signature. It just is not. Judge Arguello refused that, but and, and then she, re, she presides over the case of the IRP-6. So you already have a prejudice out of Lawana Clark's case that you refused to hear the evidence that exonerated her and put her in federal prison. And then you preside over, the, over a relating case. And then when asked to recuse herself from the case, she refused to do that and then does the same thing in the IRP-6 case, has evidence set before her of an uh, expert witness that was an expert in the staffing company that uh, said that the way that I, the IRP Solutions and the IRP-6 did business was the same way is, the, is how business is done in the staffing industry, showing that there was never a crime uh, done. There was never the intent of the crime. I say it, I've said it plenty of times before. The intent of the IRP-6 was to develop, market, and sell a product just like any other small business. They went into debt doing that. Debt is not a crime in America. Judge Christine Arguello forced, it to, forced the situation to ensure that the jurors did not see the evidence that exonerated the IRP-6 wow. the same way she did not allow the, the jurors in Lawana Clark's case to see the evidence there either. And that was blatant evidence that is an automatic acquittal. If yes. the expert witness says this is not her handwriting, it's time for LaWanna Clark to go free. Folks, we're just touching the tip of what you didn't know about the IRP-6. There are folks that are responsible. The perpetrators of justice are responsible for this travesty as we seek justice. Lisa, who are the perpetrators of justice? They are U.S. Attorney John Walsh, Assistant U.S. Attorney Matthew Kirsch, Assistant U.S. Attorney Sunita Hazra, Attorney Greg Goldberg, Federal Judge Christine Arguello, Appellate Judge Jerome Holmes, Appellate Judge Bobby Baldock, Appellate Judge Harris Hart, Federal Judge R. Brooke Jackson, Magistrate Judge Craig Schaefer, Court Reporter Darlene Martinez, FBI Agent John Smith, FBI Agent Robert Moen, Former Federal Agent John Epke, Former Federal Agent Gary Hilberry, Attorney Thomas Goodreed, Attorney Clifford Barnard, Attorney Thomas Richard, Attorney Robert Berger, 
Attorney Mitchell Baker, Attorney Boston Staten Jr., Attorney Rick Kornfeld, Attorney Mark Garagos, Susan Holland of ETI Professional Services, and Samuel K. Thurman. Thank you for that, Lisa. And these are the perpetrators of justice. And uh, folks, believe it, that's not a compliment. These are those that pretend to be about justice, but they really have not been. And uh, we want to give you the opportunity, folks, to go to AJCRadio.com and uh, listen to this program and all the programs that we have. Uh, Coming up Thursday, Spotlight on Capitol Hill. Uh, Lisa, we have a humdinger with that one. Yes, we do. But we're not going to let that one out the bag right now. But, folks, join us Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern as we shine the light on another member of Congress that's making a difference in our nation. Uh, also, we want to definitely uh, talk about Lisa Ed, Just Calls presents Let's Talk, yeah. a opportunity for bringing communities together uh, as we bring guests from all over the United States, those who are making an impact, uh, and that is not to exclude, Lisa, the members of Congress, uh, that uh, we're going to see some big things happen this year with Let's Talk. Your thoughts on that one? I think it's gonna, it's just going to get better and better. The people we've been talking to, the people who are showing interest and wanting to come and be a part of it, I mean, it's just it's growing far beyond what we ever could have thought it would be, and I think it's just going to be awesome. Absolutely, and folks, uh, definitely follow us on Facebook. Like us, on, no, I'm sorry, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, uh, and folks, go to change.org, sign the petition, search IRP6, and uh, let's get these guys home to their families as we search for justice in an unjust situation with the IRP-6. Who are they? David Banks, Dave Zappolo, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, Clinton Stewart, and Gary Walker. Cliff? Yes, I want to say thank you to all of our guests tonight. We appreciate you taking time out of your evening to spend a little, with, a little bit of it with us. Also, I want to say thank you to everyone in the chat room, everybody who called in to, uh, to make comments. We appreciate that. Also, I want to say thank you to our production team, Captain Kyle and Dustin Jackson of K&D Productions, helping out Ill Skillers Girl in the control room to make sure you guys hear what we have to say. Also, to our production support team, they give us accurate and up-to-date information so we can pass that on to you. And to the truth, we know you're out there. We appreciate it. And thank you for that, Cliff. And ladies and gentlemen of America, never forget that as we search for justice, that injustice can affect you. It can visit your front door and... Uh, It is important that we all join in the fight as we seek for answers of every injustice that plagues this nation. I'm Lamont Banks, along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, and tonight, uncovering child protective services and the corruption that lies within. America, we have a lot of work to do. Let's join together and get it done. Good night, America. We'll see you next time. A Target 32 investigation takes a closer look at the state child protection system one year after we first raised serious questions about an agency that saw a dramatic rise in the numbers of children it removed from home. We had to go to court just to air our initial reports after an attempt by the state to stop us from showing you what's going on. John Bolt joins us with his latest investigation. We are being swamped again with complaints, very similar to what happened last year. But we can give you an in-depth look at one case that exemplifies the things we are hearing in hundreds of complaints. Allegations of quick-trigger child removal with no proof of parental wrongdoing and then retaliation against those who fight back. You are looking at something hundreds every year, but few others ever see. 
It's videotapes of a confidential hearing to remove children from the custody of their parents. While it may take weeks, months, or years to take someone's freedom away in a circuit court, it takes 17 minutes to take three of Vanessa Shank's children away in a family courtroom. This hearing consists of a judge, a state-appointed attorney to represent the children, a cabinet for health and family services attorney, and to his left, the only witness social worker Carlanda Fields, who testifies Shanks gets no child support from an absent father who is thousands of dollars behind, and this is why she says Shanks' children have been taken away. The children are in our custody because of two substantiated reports of neglect. Not seeing them. I didn't see them for 11 months, and it was it's devastating. It's like the hardest thing on earth you can go through. It's like someone close to you just died. When she fought back, appealing the ruling, she says they took her other three children away and then briefly removed 14 children from her extended family. The first thing that came to us and said was, well, you started an appeal, nothing else. 